is sovereign. With just one word, He can calm the storm. That's all it takes. He has the power to do that. So, um, thank you, Dan and Erica. And I noticed as we were singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, I noticed with it seemed like we had some powerhouse voices coming from over here. And I looked over, I said, Taylor's here and Erica's here. And that is great. And over here, I said, you guys got to bring it a little bit next week. <laughs> no, it was great. We, the singing was great, but they, they just, it's so good to have Taylor with us. And, and I do not have that gift. If I sang that loud, you all would just rush out of here. You would run, you would leave, you'd be ready. It would not be a good thing. So we are so thankful for them. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, we are first in First Corinthians, uh, chapter one. It will take me a while to get to the, those verses, but uh, did anybody see sort of a theme in the three hymns that we sang today? Did you just shake your heads, yes or no, no? Well, uh, perhaps you did, but. Uh, Two of the songs were about the, the friendship of God to us and uh, how we can go to Him and how He as a friend to the believer and the relationship we have with Him. And the last one was Great is Thy Faithfulness about His faithfulness. And uh, Jordan, if we can get the PowerPoint up, I've got a PowerPoint. But the uh, message today is our faithful God. God is faithful. He is always faithful. First uh, Corinthians chapter one, verses verse nine says this: God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son Jesus Christ, our Lord. So God is faithful. He is faithful. But before we get to where we're talking about His faithfulness, I got a question: How many here love or like? Love stories. Anybody here love? How about uh, the? I won't ask romance novels, but those kind of things. How about Hallmark movies? How many love Hallmark movies? Yeah. All right. We have one brave man that raised his hand, and we have a couple. And, and, okay. And there's a few of you men that were not being honest. You didn't say yes. I love them, but you know. Uh, so we have a couple guys not afraid to admit it, but that's okay. You know. You know, all from time to time, us guys, you know, we do get things caught in our eye. We're watching a movie and it begins to water, you know. That just happens from time to time. It's okay. Um, but I just want to run down real quickly what a typical Hallmark movie is like, if I can. Real quickly. Now, spoil alert, if you uh, have not seen a Hallmark movie, I'm about to give you the synopsis of every single one of them that's ever existed. You're going to hear exactly how every one of them goes. Well, maybe a slight variation, but they're pretty much all the same. You see, in the Hallmark movies, there is usually a woman, okay? There's usually this woman, and that she's in a relationship with some, some man, and uh, they usually live in a city like New York or some big city like Chicago or somewhere like that. And uh, then the woman has to go to some small town because of a family issue, because uh, maybe they're a reporter and they have to cover some story. That And they never want to go. They don't ever want to go to this small town because they're a city girl. And uh, But when she arrives in a small town, it's very apparent that she is out of place. This is different. She she looks different and dresses different. You know, she's either uh, overdressed or underdressed, and she's 
unimpressed by the accommodations, you know, the hotel she's staying at or, or the food or something like that. And, and inevitably, this always happens. She'll bump into some uh, local guy. She bumps into some local guy. Maybe someone that she knew. Maybe this was her hometown before. Sometimes it's not. But she bumps into some local guy that right away she's annoyed by him. She doesn't like him. You know, this guy's, you know, he's just a country bumpkin and she has, she has no interest in him. Spoiler alert. These two always end up together at the end of the movie. Okay. Sorry if you've never seen a Hallmark movie. If you've seen a Hallmark movie, you know it's true. Okay. Those two always end up together. Uh, but at the beginning though, they don't like each other. But then things begin to change, okay? She begins to like the people of the town, and whenever she talks to her boyfriend back in the city, there's some contention, and she doesn't like him, begins to see there, there's a problem. But then there's this another character that comes in. I call him the meddler. The meddler comes in. Now, this is either an aunt or an uncle or maybe some local cafe owner. And the meddler picks up that, that perhaps the woman really likes this guy. So, uh, and uh, the, the woman is pretending that she uh, cannot stand uh, the guy, but, uh, but this woman knows, that the, this meddler knows, and so she does things that kind of make situations where those two got to be together. And uh, so she's the meddler. By the way, meddlers, what do they do? They meddle, okay? So the meddler gets in and meddles, okay? Uh, so, then, usually this is what happens. Then there's, there's some competition in the town, okay? And the meddler sees, oh, this is an opportunity. I'm going to make it where these two got to join together and they got to compete together. It may be an ice sculpture. They get a competition. You know, how many has been to an ice sculpture, sculpture competition? No one, because it's only in the movies. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Okay, but somehow the meddler gets them to. They somehow works out. They got to compete together, and uh, they're go- then, then this is where the magic happens. Okay, all right. Uh, so while they're competing, you know, they're fighting with each other, and it doesn't look like they're going to win. You know, they look- by the way, the whole world depends on this competition. By the way, everything in the world, you know, they're going to save the whole town. They're going to save the world and everything. If they if they don't win, the whole world's going to collapse and implode. Uh, that's hyperbole, but anyways. But the magic starts to happen. Okay? The woman continues to realize that uh, her boyfriend is, a, I'm going to use the word doofus, okay? Uh, I don't know how to spell that. I spelled it D-U-F-U. I don't know if that's it. but And so, and she doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. And she realized that she's had googly eyes for the country bumpkin. Are you with me still, okay? Hopefully you're with me. How many am I ruining your Friday night DVR? Am I ruining it? I thought I might. Well, sorry, it's to my wife. Okay. Well, lo and behold, they end up winning the competition. They save the whole world. Amen? Okay. Or something like that. By the way, I forgot to tell you that the scenery in this is all amazing. It's perfect. The snow, if it's wintertime, it's just perfect. It's beautiful. Everything. The decorations are just perfect. If it's fall, the leaves are just everywhere. You don't see the smoke and, you know, that comes with burning leaves. You don't see any of that. Just, it's perfect. The decorations, everything. It's perfect. I tell you, if you even try hard enough and you smell, you can smell the home-baked cookies while you're watching these movies. You can smell the pies. And it's just, it's just amazing. It's great. I tell you what, it's perfect. But then the mishap happens. There's always a mishap. Okay, they're starting to get along. They're getting everything's great. But then a mishap happens. There's a miscommunication, a misunderstanding. 
And so she starts a bullet out of town faster than when Joe Biden handlers try to get out, get him out of an interview before they ask him a question he can't answer. That's how fast she wants out of town. She's trying to get out of town, okay, because of this mishap. But then the bumpkin guy finds out and runs to the airport to catch her before she leaves. He runs through the airport, then he sees her, then she sees him, then they run to each other, they straighten out the mishap, they kiss the end. Every Hallmark movie, right there. You never have to watch another one again. <sighs> Maybe we can drop the Hallmark channel. <laughs> but here is, the, here is the thing about that, though, about Autumn, is that they're fiction. It's not real. It's fake. But however, though, there is a love story that is greater than any Hallmark movie you've ever watched. Better yet, it's real. And you and I are in it. You know, this story is about a king's amazing love for a bride that was in a hopeless situation before she ever met him. She was in debt. She was headed to the worst prison of all time because of this debt, and she had no ability of paying the debt to avoid it. She couldn't get out of it. She was headed to prison for this debt, and she was in a bad shape. She was dirty, unclean, so she could not depend on her looks to get her out of it, out of trouble. There was not enough soap and water to clean or remove the filth. No king in their right mind would desire her, but this king did. This king would voluntarily take her place and take the punishment that she deserved. He would take a beating like no man has ever taken for her. He would end up laying down his life for her. A woman that no righteous man would ever want, but he did. He wanted her. Did I mention that this was the wealthiest king of all time? And he would share all that he had with this woman, and he wanted to. Then the story turns and that she would cheat on him over and over and over again. Yet, he would still remain faithful and keep on forgiving and never consider divorcing her or withholding his love or riches from her. Now, the main character in this story, if you haven't figured it out, it's not the woman but the king, and that king is Jesus Christ. And the love that he has for his bride, which is his church, which is you and I, if you're a believer. So we're going to look at that story a little bit more. And this is a true story, and that's what makes it so great. So the first point we're going to look at is Jesus' love for us. Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so in order to grasp how much Jesus loves us, we need to understand how bad or of shape we are in or we were in before we met Jesus. We need to know what condition we were in before we met Jesus. We must understand just how ugly our sin was, just how dirty and corrupted we were when our, the King came for 
us. You see, we don't realize just how tainted and how stained we are by sin because we either do not see it in ourselves or we try to cover it up. So we go to great lengths to cover it up so others don't see it, right? Uh, you know, if there was an Ulta for sin, it would make trillions, okay? Guys, if you don't know what an Ulta is, just ask your wife or a lady in the, the building. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, so we go to great lengths to cover it up to make ourselves look good. Why would the Ulta for sin do so well? Because we want to look good, but we are not. We want others to think we're good, but we're not. But sometimes we look in the mirror and we, we see this false image. We look in the mirror and we, and there's this false image, or it's one we've created in our own minds, but one that looks better than the real thing. The truth is, as Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, even if we can make our actions look good, even if we can cover, make everybody think that it's good, the problem is that inside we are still dirty. Inside we're still dirty. We have a problem though, because this, God sees the heart. He sees what you and I can't see, and that's the heart. And he knows it's dirty. He knows that. Yet, in that condition, while you're in that condition, while your heart's dirty and it's filthy and it's corrupted, He came and died because He desired us. He came and paid for us to redeem us while your heart was in that condition. That was the condition He found us in. That's the condition when you met Christ. Every single believer was in that condition when you met Christ. You know, I remember hearing uh, a true story told by a pastor named Matt Chandler. In the story, he tells of going to a church service while he was in college and he was sitting with a lady that he had been reaching out to. She was a 26-year-old single mom and uh, uh, that she knew very little about Christ. And uh, she had been living in the world and had some, made some bad decisions, but he was reaching out to her and wanted to introduce her to Christ. So she, he invites her to church and they're sitting there. And the pastor at the service has an illustration. He holds up a long stem red rose and he said, look at how beautiful this is. He then smelled it and touched it and really felt the texture of it and really just to kind of just observed the whole thing. And then he threw it out to the first person in the first row and he said, he asked the person, would you feel the, the rose and touch it and feel the texture of the rose and smell it and then pass it on to until everyone in the auditorium of about a thousand people had a chance. To, to really inspect the rose and really just really get in there and see about all the petals and all that. He then asked, uh, after several minutes, he asked, well, where's the rose? Where's my rose? And, uh, uh, someone brought it up to him. And when he got it back, that beautiful red rose was all mangled up. You know, it was kind of jacked up. The, the stem was broken. The petals were all messed up and it just didn't look very good anymore. And, uh, he then held up the rose and asked the congregation to discuss. He goes, who would want this rose? Now, it was at this point, Matt is getting angry. He says, he's getting angry. He says, I brought her to introduce her to Christ. And here's this illustration, which is the worst illustration ever to introduce someone to Christ. And he was thinking, there's a pastor saying, who would want this rose? Matt, in his heart, he's going, Jesus wants the rose. Jesus wants the rose. 
where nobody else, maybe Jesus wants the rose. And that's the condition that each of us was in. And Jesus wanted us. So Jesus isn't looking for someone that's perfect. He's looking for those that know they're not. That's who He's looking for. He made the first move while we were in our sinful, unclean condition. He saw us and He had compassion. He saw us and said, I love them. He saw us and said, I want to redeem them. He saw us and said, I will die for them. He saw us and said, I will go get them. He saw us and said, I will heal them. He saw us and said, I will make them whole. He saw us and said, I will... Leave my kingdom to rescue them. He said, I will go and pay for their sins. He said, I will make them clean. He said, I will make a home for them. He said, I will share my kingdom with them. He said, I will share my riches with them. You see, you see this? We only love him because he first loved us. He also said, once I have them, once I have them, I will never leave them. Which leads me to my second point, which is the main point of the message, which is this. Jesus is faithful to us. He's faithful to us. We've already read the Scripture, but do you know this, that the motto for the U.S. Marine Corps is Simplify Dallas, or shortened Simplify. Simplify. It's a Latin phrase that means always faithful. Always faithful faithful or always loyal. You know, I don't know if every Marine can claim Semper Fidelis, but let me tell you this, Jesus can claim Semper Fidelis. He can say Semper Fi and mean it, and it's true. He's always faithful. He's unwavering in His commitment to His bride, which is you and I. But let me give you a few examples about how He is faithful. He's faithful to finish what He started. He is faithful to finish what He started. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, most marriages start off by making vows. Many end up breaking those vows. Let me tell you this, when Jesus says He will do something, He will do it. When He makes a promise, He keeps it. When he commits to do something, he finishes it. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath been a gun of good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.8 Who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know as a believer, you're being followed everywhere you go. There's a story told about a little boy who had been invited to a friend's birthday party and he wanted to go and he was so excited to go and he's counting days to go to the party. But uh, the morning of the party, he was de- devastated when he found out that there was this blizzard and it was just, uh, there was just the snow and the conditions weren't very good and, and, uh, and the, the snow was falling, it was wet, it was heavy flakes, the wind was howling. And uh, so his father says, I don't think you should go to the party. The boy was disappointed because he really wanted to go. So he began to really importune to his father, begging, would you let me go? And then finally, to his surprise, his dad said, all right, you can go to the party. So the little boy bundled up and he gets his hat and his coat and his mittens and he started down the street to go to his friend's house. And then 
as he finally gets there, he gets to the door and he turned around and he saw his father kind of hiding. He realized his father had been walking behind him and following him all the way there. Why? To make sure he got to his destination safely. You know this, God is with you wherever you go. He is with you wherever you go. Do you know that He will make sure you make it to your destination? Now, I'm not talking about going into your friend's house. I'm talking to heaven. I'm talking to your final destination. He will make sure you get there if you are a believer. He is faithful to finish what He started. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Get this. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. You can rest assured if you're a Christian today that one day you will be in His presence and it won't be because of your effort. It'll be because of His effort and what He does in following you and making sure you get there to your destination. There may be times where we feel like we're alone. Okay? There may be times where we feel like we don't sense His presence. We don't know He's there. But in truth... The truth is, we're always surrounded by His love and goodness. We're always surrounded by His love and goodness. It's always present. Even though we may not see it or understand it, there's never a time when we're truly on our own if you are a believer. You're never alone when you're a believer. If you are saved, you are in Christ, He is in you, you cannot go anywhere where He does not go with you. Even when we do not believe Him as we should, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, He abideth faithful. Even when you try to run from Him, He's still with you. You cannot outrun Him. You can't hide from Him. You can't get away from Him. He will be with you everywhere you go. And He will make sure you arrive at your destination. You see, some have received the promise of God to be in heaven with Him for all eternity, but then go on to try to hold on to it. As if we get a grip it with like white knuckles to try to hold on to this promise. Okay? As if it has something to do with us. You know, we can receive the gift of salvation by faith and then try to keep it by works. When God gives a gift though, understand this. He never takes it back. When He gives you the gift of salvation, He will never take it back. So you don't have to hold on to it and try to keep it and say, oh, I hope I don't lose it. I hope I don't leave this great gift. No, He's never going to take it from you. He'll never try to take it from you. Why? Why does He, uh, from the moment you get saved until the time you go, why is He walking with you to make sure you get to your day? Why? Because He's faithful to the promise He made to you. Now, we're often not faithful in the promises we make, but God is faithful. You may be thinking, but I've been so unfaithful to Him. I've been so unfaithful to Him since I got saved. I haven't lived for Christ. 
How could He possibly allow me into heaven when I have turned my back on Him? I've turned my back on Him. How can He possibly allow me into heaven? I've received the great salvation. I've received His love. I know His grace. But I turned my back on Him. How can I possibly be allowed into heaven? Here's why. Because He's faithful to what He promised. It's not about you. It's about Him. He is faithful. So you might be thinking, well, I've messed up so bad. Or I know that someone that is a Christian has messed up so bad. How can I or how can they get right with Jesus? How can they? How can they? You, may, you maybe think, I feel so guilty, so I will start doing good deeds. That'll, that'll do it. I'll, I'll get right with God. I'll start doing good deeds. Or I, and He'll be pleased with me. Or I'll start giving money or serving that will make up for it. Or you may think that, I'll make promises, okay? If God, you do this, I'll do this. I'll make some promises and to do better. And that'll work. Let's look at the next point regarding God's faithfulness, which is this. He is faithful to forgive. He is faithful to forgive. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you ever been betrayed in a relationship? Don't raise your hands because we all have. Okay? Whether it be a friend, a family member, or a spouse, we've all been betrayed. Now what if that betrayal happened over and over and over again? How do we respond? When we sin, we do that to God. Each time we sin, we're betraying God and what He did for us. We're betraying that relationship that we have with Him every time we sin. Now, our response usually when someone betrays us over and over, we get bitter, we close them out, we shut them off, we don't want anything to do with them. Even if they come to us, we, we just, we, we just don't want nothing to do with them. Okay? Yet, when you and I betray Christ and we go to Him, and we do it over and over and over again. Every single time, He forgives. Every single time. But He doesn't forgive us so we can go to heaven. That's already happened. Okay, That's not the purpose in this verse. He forgives us so we once again can enjoy our relationship with Him. He doesn't put conditions on it. He didn't say, if you do this or do that or do this or do this, then I'll forgive you. Then I'll... Uh, allow you to come in my presence again. And he doesn't say that. He just says, "He says, come. I want to forgive you. I want you back." So when we betray him, he is faithful to forgive us. But get this: he doesn't just stop at that. He doesn't just stop at the restoration, uh, at the relationship, restoring the relationship. Look at the verse again. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He's just because He already paid for the sins on the cross. And But He says this, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So He doesn't just forgive us. He doesn't destroy the relationship. He cleanses us from all that filth that we've accumulated. You know, Steve Carrington, uh, the founder of Reformers Unanimous, which is a uh, recovery ministry, He's now with the Lord, but he used to tell a story. But he and his family were getting ready for church one morning, and uh, uh, one of his little daughters got had got ready before everybody else. 
and all the other kids, and, and she had her on a nice dress, okay? She had, her, she had her nice dress on, her nice shoes, her hair was all done, she looked really pretty, she's ready to go to church, okay? And she just looks really nice, okay? Uh, but since they had some time before they had to go to church and had they leave, she wanted to go outside and play. So she asked her dad, she goes, Dad, can I, can I go outside and play? Well, the thing is, it had been raining the night before, kind of like last night here. And it had been raining, and, and so there was, there, it was mud puddles out, and there was mud in, in the yard. And, and, uh, but Steve told her she, that she could. But he said, okay, you can go out, just be careful. Don't get in the mud. Okay? So he warned her, stay in the mud. Well, a few minutes went by as he's getting ready, and he heard the door open, and he hears a cry. He hears his cry. He hears this little girl crying. She's crying. So he runs to her to see what's problem, and see what's wrong with her. And he looks at her and she's covered in mud. Her dress is dirty. Her shoes are dirty. Her hair's messed up. And, and she's crying. She goes, Dad, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got in the mud. Will you forgive me? What do you think he did? Did he scold her and tell her, I told you to stay out of the mud? Did he tell her, take her to church with the mud on her so everybody could see that she got in the mud and say, look at my daughter, she got in the mud. I want everybody to see. That my daughter doesn't listen. So I want her to learn a lesson. Did he go to his wife and complain, look what your daughter did. She's disobedient, rotten. Look at this child. No, that's not what he did. That's not what he did. He did the same thing that Jesus does for us. He forgave her. Right then and there. But He didn't just forgive her. He took her and did this. He got her cleaned up. He took her, got out a new dress, wiped off the mud, okay, cleaned up her shoes. And when she went to church that day, she had a smile on her face. And no one at church knew she fell in the mud. Why? Because His dad forgave her and He cleansed her. So no one need to know that she fell in the mud. That's the kind of love and faithfulness that He has for us. That's how God treats us. So when you and I fall in the mud, when you and I fall into sin, when you and I get into sin, we're dirty, we're covered in sin, and we're, 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 we're corrupted, and we go to God and we're in tears, we say, God, will you forgive me? He doesn't say, come down on us and drop the hammer on us. You know, He says, forgiven. And He cleanses us. So no one needs to know we fell in the mud. We can go around, have joy in our lives, not because we've done anything to cleanse ourselves or that we deserve it. It was because our Heavenly Father is faithful. That's why. He's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. Now, there's a story about a man that I believe understands the faithfulness of God. Is this? It's a man named Billy Bray. He was a Cornish miner who had accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior in the year 1823 when he was 29 years old. And uh, he had lived a life of drunkenness and debauchery before his salvation, but he became such an outgoing witness and testimony for, for God that he became known as God's glad man. Okay? He was just happy, he was a happy man. Okay, and one time he was digging uh, uh, potatoes in his garden, and 
He, he sensed the devil kind of oppressing him and tempting him. And it seemed to him that the, the devil was saying, Billy, God doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. If he did, he wouldn't give you such puny and tiny potatoes. And so little potatoes. If he loved you, you would have a bunch of potatoes. You'd have the biggest, best potatoes of all if God really loved you. But Billy, he, right, he didn't listen to that temptation, the devil's temptation. He, he talked back to him. He said, he said, I served you long enough. Long and true, devil. And no better servant was I than I was to you. But when I served you, you didn't give me any potatoes. When I served you, you didn't give me anything good for my efforts. So Billy Bray, he reminded himself that the burden he had serving Christ, his king, was lighter than the one he had in serving the devil. The yoke that he wore in partnership with and submission to Jesus was easier than the yoke he wore at being one of the world's or Satan's disciples. So he said this. He said, I would rather be in hell with Jesus than in heaven without Jesus. For hell with Jesus would seem just like heaven to me, and heaven without Jesus would seem just like hell to me. Heaven is about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Are you looking forward to heaven because of your faithful King? Because your faithful Savior that loved you so much? Knowing the condition that you're in? Knowing how unfaithful we've been? Yet He forgives us? Are you looking forward to heaven because you know you will see Christ? Do you realize that after the rapture, we will have what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb where we will sit down with Him and be read. And is that what you're looking for? You see, Billy Bray, he wasn't looking for bigger potatoes from God. He knew that anything that came from God was better than anything that came from serving Satan. Anything that came from God was better than serving Satan. Why? Well, it's obvious from what he said by who he wanted to be in eternity with. The one that was so faithful to him. You see, you see this, when we think we've got a raw deal in our relationship with Christ, we think we've been somehow gypped, okay, that this just hasn't worked out like we planned. You know, we do that in our marriages and our relationships sometimes. We think, oh, I got a raw deal with my spouse. Let me tell you this, you didn't get a raw deal with Christ. You got a good deal. You got a good deal. We brought a dirty, stinking carcass full of sin and He gave us His body to make us clean. He paid with His blood to make us His own. We were a servant of the devil and He still loved us. Who wants you more than Christ wants you? Who is more faithful to you than, than Christ is? That is what makes this the greatest love story ever told. It's because of His love and His faithfulness. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your great love that You have for us, Lord. And Lord, I look back to the condition I was when You found me, Lord. I was not pretty, Lord, uh, full of sin, Lord, but yet You still loved me, Lord, and I thank You for that, Lord, uh, that You were willing to redeem me, Lord, that You loved me, Lord, and 
that how you love all sinners, Lord, that you desire a relationship with all, Lord, and Lord, and how you've been so faithful to each one of us since we've been saved, Lord, and how you keep your promises to us, Lord. And Lord, as I look to heaven, Lord, and we see you face to face, Lord, what a day that will be, Lord. Lord, help us to long for that day where we get to see our Savior, Lord, face to face. Lord, if there's anybody here today, Lord, that does not know the love of Christ, I pray that today would be the day that they make the decision, Lord, to trust You as their Savior. Know the love that You have them no matter what condition they are in right now, Lord. So Lord, uh, as we uh, take time during this invitation, Lord, uh, pray that You'd work in hearts in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand with eyes closed and heads bowed. And as Brenda plays an invitation, if you'd like to come forward and just thank Christ for being such a uh, loving father, spouse to you, would you come forward? If you need to get right with Him, would you come forward this morning and say, Lord, forgive me? And He promises He will forgive you. You know, we sing a song sometimes, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. You know, isn't it amazing that Jesus wants a relationship with us, knowing who we are? What love He has for us. Maybe as sitting in your pew, you would just like to Praise Him for who He is. Is there anybody here that says, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. Would you pray for me? I just don't know if, if I'm saved. Would you raise your hand for anybody in the room that could say that? Who in here says, I know Jesus is my Savior and I know I don't deserve, but I'm thankful for His love and faithfulness. All over. Okay. You may be seated. You may be seated. I have a couple announcements for you. This morning is so true. And... Uh, when your life turns upside down on Tuesday when I found out that I have cancer, I'm like, wow. <laughs> and you know what? In the waiting room, they had HGTV about remodeling houses. I said, you know, it doesn't matter. And I told God, I said, God, I'm the one that tells you what I want to do most of the time. Most of the time, I don't listen to what God wants me to do. And we're all in the same boat. I mean, think about your schedule. Don't we do what we want to do instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do? And I thought, Lord, I, I have some changing to be done in my life. And um, a real wake-up call. And folks, what Brandon said, it's real. Jesus is real. Life is short. 
you will not be satisfied with anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. 20 years from now, most of you will be dead. And we think we have forever to live. We don't have forever to live. We're one heartbeat away from death. I'm thankful for the greatest love story is that God loves us. It's not our faithfulness to him. It's his faithfulness to us.